And you were expecting Tom Cruise to show up. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> well, we're starting a new series today called Mission Possible. And uh, we're going to talk about the impossible becoming possible. And you're all a part of it. We're all a part of it. Today our message is called, What It Takes to Make a Difference. Shortly after the resurrection of Jesus, he gave his disciples some curious instructions. Very curious, very odd if you know these guys. He said, go everywhere, as you're going everywhere, announce this great message of God's good news to everybody, all over the place, everywhere. He said this to 11 guys who up to this point hadn't demonstrated a capacity in any measurable form of conquering the world. In fact, when they realized earlier that Jesus was facing certain death, his disciples, all but one, bailed. One committed suicide, one denied having ever known Jesus, the rest ran for their lives, with the exception of John. And now Jesus is telling this band of underachievers to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew's version emphasizes Jesus telling them to go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples. How was that supposed to happen? How can these 11 uneducated, presumably broke men overcome the distance barriers? the financial barriers, the language barriers, and the cultural barriers. It sounds like Jesus was sending them out on mission impossible. How could this group of the misfits, the 12 doofuses is what they're known as in my book, you know, but we're just like them. How could they be expected to go into the entire world? Well, Three things needed to happen, and three things did happen to turn the tide for the disciples. One was the resurrection of Jesus. He came back to life like he said he would. When someone you know dies and comes back to life, it's easy to believe that person has power over death, right? It's easy to believe that he would, all his claims would be true. Who he said he was would be true. When someone you know dies and rises again, it's easy to find the courage to do what he says to do. The resurrection of Jesus gave the disciples the boldness that they lacked before. Another tide turner for the disciples was the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The last thing Jesus said to his followers before he went up into heaven was this, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all around the world, everywhere. He said this also. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, then you'll produce much fruit. That's a phrase used in the Old Testament and the New Testament, meaning that you'll, you'll make converts. You'll convince people of the truth of Jesus Christ. So we see this, uh, that the, the Christian life is really more than just believing some tenets. 
Jesus said that, that without me, you can do nothing. See, the Christian life is a relationship with God. It's not just believing, oh, okay, God's in heaven and Jesus is his son and we're all supposed to be good boys and girls. It's much more than that. It's where Jesus Christ, his spirit, comes alive in us and dwells in us and, and gives us the power to live our lives the way he's called us to live it. This was evident in the disciples. One more thing that made a difference was that God had a specific timing here. I mean, it couldn't have been more perfect. In Acts chapter 2, we see how the disciples were praying together in this upper room. It was in Jerusalem, and it was during the Feast of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a very important day in the Jewish calendar. Thousands of people from everywhere came to Jerusalem to celebrate. Suddenly, this room that they were praying in came alive. I mean, this rushing wind, a mighty rushing wind came through the room. And people were speaking in other languages. Sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Now, as people came to see what this commotion was, they heard their language from whatever nation they were from, they heard it being spoken. Here's these uneducated guys speaking in different languages. That certainly got everybody's attention. Well, Peter seized the moment and he preached a sermon about how people everywhere should surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. And that day, 3,000 people came to be Christ followers. That's what, about five times the size of this church, both services, five times this size. In just a few days after that, those 3,000 people returned to their various homes with their newfound faith, taking that with them. Now, this caused the message of the gospel to go viral. And it went everywhere. Suddenly, these instructions by Jesus to go into the world and preach the message it didn't seem like mission impossible anymore. Thanks to Pentecost, there would be a core group of people all out there ready to receive the, the apostles when they came to visit, came to do their missionary work. In the days and weeks following, Jesus, this Jesus movement just exploded. It went everywhere. New growth. There were conversions. There were miracles. People began sharing their possessions with each other. The Bible says that God added to that 3,000. God added to their number daily. You want to start having church every day? Every day, new people coming to Christ. Can you imagine what that was like? Well, then trouble began. Peter and John were brought before the religious leaders, and they were told to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. They responded by saying, in effect, well, that's not going to happen. We can't stop talking about Jesus. We just can't do it. And this eventually led to the high priest going after the apostles, having them arrested and put in jail. The Bible says then this angel of God came and freed them from prison. And the next day they were back in the temple courts preaching and teaching to the crowd. So once again... The religious leaders rounded them up, and they prepared for another conf confrontation. Here's where we are in the story. This is in Acts chapter 5. 
Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. This is the big dude now. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sin to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So here we are, we're starting this Mission Possible series, and it's going to be all about how the early church changed the world, and how this church can change the world, and how you can change the world. These few verses today give us some insight how the leaders of the early church thought, how we need to think and act. What kind of church makes a difference in their community? What kind of person makes a difference in their place of work or in their school? This text shows us that there are three things we should do as a church and as individuals in order to be difference makers for the world around us, close and far. So here they are. First one, we must talk about Jesus. We've got to talk about Jesus. The members of the Sanhedrin said to the apostles, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching about him. The message of the early church was about Jesus. It was about Jesus more than anything else. Now, I think they may have had other conversations, but the church, the movement of the church, the movement of the Holy Spirit was that Jesus is the answer. They didn't talk so much about politics or social issues or cultural wars or how you should vote or where you should shop or which company you should boycott. They just talked about Jesus. Bible teacher Steve Brown once said that when the church has had a choice between political power or spiritual power, it has chosen political power and it always gets in trouble. The objective of the church is not to be a political force. Neither is it our purpose to to put the right people in office. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to preach salvation through Jesus Christ. It's to encourage people to receive Jesus as their personal Savior, the forgiver of their sins. It's to teach them how to Follow Jesus as their Lord. That means leader, the leader of our lives. We sometimes preach as if we want people to accept family values. There are churches who preach that that we need to get on board with a, a specific agenda, politically or whatever it is. You know what? Political stuff's important, and definitely family values are very important, but our message goes far beyond that. Way past that. Our message, more than anything else, is about Jesus. 
and his power to rescue us from this path that humanity has been on ever since Adam and Eve. That's our purpose. Did you guys see any of those Bible shows on the History Channel, the the series, the Bible? Very interesting story behind it. It was developed by a married couple named Mark Burnett and uh, Roma Downey. Mark was the producer of Survivor, The Apprentice, The Voice, among other reality-based programs. Roma has been in a number of TV shows. She's best known for being on Touched by an Angel. They're both Christians, and when they first developed this idea for the series, they shopped it around to to various companies, producers, and uh, they got a good response, but this is how a lot of people said it. They said, you know, you're onto something here. This looks really good, but is there any way you can tell this story without talking about Jesus so much? Can you imagine? It's a pretty good story, but leave Jesus out. What happens to the story? (laughs) It's kind of gone, isn't it? Now, let's don't point our fingers all at Hollywood. Sometimes churches are a little reluctant to use the name of Jesus too much. Oh, you know, we shouldn't do this applause for Jesus and, you know, be careful with the Jesus stuff. Maybe a little offensive to some people. I've had some discussions with people that have taken this to an extreme. Um, You know, the word Xmas, Xmas, the abbreviation for Christmas, the protest is always, we shouldn't take the Christ out of Christmas. Well, for one thing, the origin of Xmas was never meant to be an abbreviation. X is the Latin symbol for Christ. So when you see Xmas, it means the mass of Christ. But more importantly, it's impossible to take the Christ out of Christmas, isn't it? I mean, how can you do that? Without Christ, you just have mass. All right, and even Mass in a Catholic church has Jesus involved. Right? You, you can't take it out. It's kind of a time waster to debate about that thing. All right, so if you ever see me, I did a series once called The Xmas Factor. Remember the X Files? The Xmas Files, it was called. And it was out on our sign, and the letters were all black except X. It was in red, and it was in quotes, the letter X, the Xmas Files. It was so obvious why I was using it. Phone call after phone call. We can't take the Christ out of Christmas. You can't do that. So let's quit talking about it. (laughs) All right? So it should be impossible to take the name of Jesus out of Cornerstone Christian Church. Impossible. It's paramount that when people come to this church, we let them know we're all about Jesus. Through Jesus, we have forgiveness and peace, and purpose. His teachings are the greatest lessons ever heard. His story is the greatest story ever told. How can we not talk about Jesus? How can we not do it? If we want to make a difference in this community and beyond, we need to make sure that we talk about Jesus a lot. Okay? You agree? Where's my amen? amen. Okay. Whew. <laughs> Always got to make sure you guys are awake. All right. Secondly, in order to make a difference, we need to honor God above anything else, above anyone else. 
The high priest said to the apostles, we gave you strict orders not to preach in this name. And they said, we've got to obey God, not men. Now, it doesn't mean they're rebellious. doesn't mean they're mean and nasty. They're just going to follow God. In our country, not always, but for the most part, we don't have to choose between obeying God and obeying the government. There may be some occasions, but most of the time, we don't. Sometimes at work, though, you have to choose between obeying God and obeying your boss. Some of you work for an employer that expects you to cut the corners for the benefit of the company. You have to make a choice. It's usually not a matter of risking jail. Most often, it's just a matter of fitting in, doing the right thing so everybody will like you. We want people to like us. We want to get the next promotion. Sometimes it's hard to refuse to go along with the questionable practices. But as believers in the workplace or anywhere else, we must be committed to honoring God and doing the right thing. The right thing. As some of you know, I've coached baseball for many years, and I've lost count of the, the times where I have dealings with players or parents or board members. And, and those dealings sometimes become highly political. It's, it's amazing for a big volunteer organization like Little League. Many of the issues would have been easier for me to just let slide or, you know, do the less than truthful thing. And for most people involved, they would say, you know what, that's the right choice. They would have thought nothing of it. But there were times when I knew God's choice disagreed with what everybody else thought was fine. I didn't do this all the time. Don't look at me like I'm some saint in this area. But the times I did it, I, I could see, or the times that I knew God was speaking, it was a test of my difference-making ability. Without fail, those few times that I did it right, without fail, it paid off to honor God above anyone else. Some things that happened. A Jewish friend of mine, because he saw some of this stuff that I was doing, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. It took two years but he came to Jesus. Other believers I know became more courageous when they saw things going on. They, they could stand more for Christ. Now, I cannot take credit for this because now that I have hindsight, I can look back and see how God orchestrated the whole little thing. But to see the difference that was made in some of those situations, something like Little League Baseball, to see the difference was awesome. That's how we change the world. When we approach our jobs, our schools, our community, our neighborhood with the attitude that lets everyone know in a respectful way, in a gentle way, lets them know that we will honor God above anybody else, above anything else. And people will notice. There's a third thing that it takes to make a difference. Love people more than anything else. Love people. When Peter talked to the Sanhedrin in verse 31, he emphasized that Jesus came offering forgiveness. That's a people thing. You need a person to forgive, right? 
The driving motivation for Peter and John and the apostles was to see people rescued through Christ and secure their place in heaven. That was their motivation. That's what they wanted. When they encountered the risen Christ, this is what they thought. Wow, this thing is real. This is the real deal. They thought, you know, his teachings are real. His life, his promises, they are so real. They thought all of those who, or all of those things he said that were seemingly way out there, you know, like that he was alive before Abraham and that he was, he claimed to be God and that he said he was the only way to the Father. All those things that were kind of out there, you know what? They're real. They're true. And, and they thought people need to hear this. People need to know. They need a chance to experience Jesus for themselves. Here's a phrase that you used to hear all the time years ago. You don't hear it as much today, but you probably should. The phrase is this, God loves you and so do I. Ever hear people say that? God loves you and so do I or so do we. Does this church want to develop a philosophy of ministry? Well, here it is. Do you want yourself Do you want to develop a personal philosophy that drives your interactions with other people? Well, here it is. God loves you, and so do I. There's a reason the early church changed the world. Not only did they talk about Jesus, not only were they willing to to take a stand for God, honor God, but they also loved people. In the second chapter of Acts, when the believers began to sell their possessions, you see that love. They sold their possessions to make sure nobody was in need. They spread their money around in in ways that, that was truly God working in them. It wasn't somebody telling them to do it. You see the same thing in Acts chapter 6. The way the leaders distributed food so everyone would be included. They made sure the widows were taken care of. And and you see it still at work years later. Years later when, when the church leaders met with Paul, the Christian church leaders, they met with him and they blessed his men. This is Paul who they thought would kill them. And they, they blessed him instead. They loved on him. They said, we want your ministry to continue. And they only asked him to do one thing. Please keep remembering the poor. Go do your thing. We like what you're doing, but remember the poor. A huge part of the church from the very beginning has been about helping people. Since its inception 2,000 years ago, the church demonstrates God's love by what it does for people. Our elder board and other leaders, team members we've put together, we've been focusing on the reason, the bottom line reason, Cornerstone Christian Church exists. Why are we around? There's plenty of churches. Why are we here? And we've been defining what our most important responsibilities are. And here they are. To celebrate God, to connect with his people, 
and to reach out to those who are missing from his kingdom. That's it. Everything else can fall under those three things. As we evaluate how we do these three things, our leadership meetings will consist of questions like this. How are we showing this community God's love? How are we doing serving and blessing those we're connected to? And how are we doing in reaching those in need of rescue from a life void of God? That's a scary thought. A life void of God. How are we doing with those people out there? Every church must resist the temptation and aggressively fight the tendency to become about buildings and budgets and maintaining the machinery of the organization without actually accomplishing anything. We've got to fight against that because Jesus said the greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest among you must be a servant. That's our calling as a church and as individuals. That's why each of us should ask ourselves very important questions like this. How am I showing God's love to people around me? How am I doing that? If you want to make a difference in this world, and if you want to be a part of, make, a, part of a church making a difference in this world, then you and I must love people more than anything. So our mission is to make a difference. And our mission is possible. It's very possible. The early church made a difference because their message centered around Jesus. There was no other cornerstone other than Jesus. The very name of our church means Jesus. It's kind of a redundant name. Jesus Christian Church. Hmm. The church is the body of Christ. Christianity is all about becoming like Christ. And Jesus is Jesus. So maybe we could call our church Triple J. Okay. The Triple J Church. Let's be a church that talks about Jesus. The early church made a difference because they were willing to take a stand in order to do what was right. They honored God above anyone else. Let's be a church made up of people who are determined to do what's right, no matter what. And the early church made a difference because they cared. They wanted to see people saved and fed and taken care of. They loved people more than anything else. Let's be a church that serves each other and the people of this community and beyond and together we can change the world. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that this isn't just some pep talk. I pray that it is the power of the Holy Spirit getting in our minds and in our hearts, filling us up to overflowing so we can share Jesus. We can be caring people. We can follow God. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just benefit this church, but it would benefit the individuals in this church. And it wouldn't just benefit the individuals in this church, but it would benefit 
the people around this church. And that it wouldn't just benefit the people around this church, but it would glorify Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our mission is possible, and God is worthy of our praise. Amen. I will give you all my worship, and I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship, and I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my praise. God bless you guys. Have a great week.